We're delighted that this podcast is sponsored by Drench. We love their curated catalogue of high-quality bathroom products at affordable prices, which can transform your space into something beautiful. No matter how small the details may seem, Drench won't miss them. Use the code HOMENOTES10 for 10% off your first order. Welcome to Stories from Sites, the renovation podcast that digs a little deeper. I'm Amy Donalek, and together with my co-host, Jane Middlehurst, we peek behind the curtains of those Insta-worthy interiors to bring you the real processes people went through to make their dream homes a reality. After 10 years as architects renovating homes, Jane and I set up Home Notes to teach people how to take on their own renovation journeys. We've met so many inspiring people on the way, and now we want to share their incredible stories. This week, we talked to Stuart, who together with his wife, Fiona, relocated to make a home in which to enjoy their retirement. When they reached out to Paul Tester of Hem Architects, it was then that their real retrofit journey began. In this episode, we talk about Stuart's role in the project, the benefits of living in a home with a properly designed internal environment, and the real value that an architect can bring to a project. I thought to start with, if you could tell us a bit about how you found the house. And I guess I would be interested to know if you knew from the outset you wanted to do a big project or if that kind of happened organically. Uh, that very much happened organically. We very much had no intention of doing a big project. My wife had retired already by this point. I was still working extremely long hours and very a busy occupation. And she decided that we should move from where we lived in Lincolnshire to uh, Rutland, where we spent quite a bit of time at the weekends. So we went and eventually found a house that fitted our criteria and decided to buy it. And what was your criteria, can I ask? Well, my kind of, I didn't really have the headspace for moving house at this point in my life, but my wife, who ultimately was correct, said we should do it. And her criteria was she wanted to move to Rutland because we liked sailing and there's a big lake here. So we used to come here at the weekend to go sailing. She likes music and she's a pianist, so she's got a, a mini grand piano. She wanted a house where she could have her mini grand piano and she wanted a nice view. That was her main, her main criteria. This is great criteria. <laughs> yeah, I like this. I think the fourth criteria, there was room for me as well, but I'm not sure that was quite as high up quite as high up in the list. Anyway, we found a suitable house and they purchased it in, in, in a market town of Oakham in Rutland, which is a, a lovely little town. It was a 1930s house. It had been extended three times. So basically blocks put on the side and the back, as happens with extensions. The original house was really very narrow front to back, more or less one room deep. And the kind of stairs took up quite a big chunk of that floor area. So the house basically had lots of dark, disconnected spaces because of the way it had been developed with a kind of big, long corridor running around one, one aspect of the, of the property. But it was in a, it was five minute walk to the town in a south facing rear garden. It was in a conservation area and looked onto a farm park where there was lots of interesting animals wandering around. So we had a, a lovely aspect out the back. So we kind of thought, oh, we can do something with this uh, and bought it. So then did you approach an architect and what kind of problem did you want them to solve? Well, we decided to engage Hem Architects in Sheffield. We knew Paul because our son had studied architecture at Sheffield. And so we basically handed it to Paul and Alan to have an initial conversation about what, what we could do. 
uh, we, we'd done a few houses up, not in any, not a big retrofit, just the usual, you know, convert the attic, knock a wall down here, rearrange a little bit, nothing, nothing major. And we both got pretty good vision, my wife and I, and are pretty good at sort of seeing what something could look like. So we didn't really envisage doing a big retrofit. We just envisaged doing some work to it like we'd done in previous houses to kind of come up with something that we'd be happy with. We did some rough sums and we talked to the estate agent that we'd bought the property from and he kind of said, well, you know, you bought it at the market price for the roads, there's a ceiling price. If you're going to do something, you need to add X square feet of space to make the number of balance. So, so then he was more or less saying you shouldn't spend too much on it. It wouldn't work out financially viable. So then we kind of talked to the architects and uh, they said, well, actually in our, in their opinion, you don't, you don't need to add a lot of space. You just need to add the space that you've got work. So that sort of started a conversation about how we could convert the property. And in the end, we engaged them. Turned out to be a full retrofit. <laughs> it kind of got away from itself a little bit. <laughs> but actually the end result is fantastic. I mean, it's, it's a dream to live in, to be honest. The old house had no curb appeal. It was dark and disconnected and... The new house is full of light, full of space. Every every inch of the space is just usable the way it's kind of designed and laid out. And everywhere you sit in the house, there's little design features that you can see from one room looking into the next. Uh, it's just a joy to live in, frankly. So it sounds like the layout was the driver for you of how the project was going to evolve, but the retrofit was added in there as a, a sensible thing to do whilst you were doing other works. Is that kind of how it, how it came about. Yeah, exactly. The first thing was to get the space usable, I suppose. And as we decided how to do that, then we then became persuaded that actually we should work on the energy performance of the property and the internal air quality and all of that side of it as well. So, For people at home that aren't really sure what retrofit means, would you be able to tell us a few things that you did to make the house more energy efficient? Like what types of work? Well, we decided to basically make it an, as, as much of an airtight box as we could. So all of the external walls were thermally insulated from the outside with about 130 mil of external insulation. And then put a mesh, mesh reinforced render put on top of that. We put a new slab down and fully insulated the floor area. We insulated all the, the roof spaces. So we ended up with basically a, a big insulated box which we made as airtight as we could. Uh, and obviously it's a retrofit, so that's quite challenging to do that on an existing building. So but we did that and then we put in a mechanical ventilation heat recovery system to control the air flow in and out of the property. As our architects explained to us, you, in a traditional house, you lose a lot of heat straight out of the, all the sort of gaps in the property, which are inevitably there in any, in any building, particularly older ones. And if you can stop that and control the air coming in and out, you can get a much nicer internal environment and uh, you need minimal heating. Now, we were kind of a bit sceptical. In fact, we probably ended up putting in more heating than the architect recommended, but it's hardly ever on, to be honest. Even downstairs, the temperature is really constant all year round. You open the door on a cold winter's morning, you walk in and it's immediately comfortable and you know, a very pleasant temperature, which it pretty much holds the whole year round, so... We took a bit of persuading because obviously that's extra cost, but it was absolutely the right thing to do. Uh, we, we would have never have done that had we not engaged an architect. 
And do you feel like you notice the difference? Does oh, yeah. it feel more comfortable to live in? Oh, oh, unbelievable. We had a quite a large Victorian house and where we where we moved from and the heating probably similar floor space to this one. The heating bills are half, less than half of wow. what that was. And the internal it's hard to describe, but quality of the, the air and the warmth of the property. It's just constant all year round. Mm. Doesn't matter whether it's the middle of depth of winter and minus five or ten outside or summer and it's twenty twenty, thirty degrees outside. In, inside the property, it's pretty much consistent. That sounds so lovely. Yeah. yeah. How how much did it take for you to be convinced? Was it looking at you know energy usage? Did you go to look around another property? Like how how did that process work? Yeah, we went to look around some other properties. We went up to a place called the Green Building Store up in Manchester, which Hem Architects work with quite a lot, and so I talked to them about it. I suppose the architects really convinced there's really Paul and Alan. It was more them just them being passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's right. And being doing the right thing for the environment, that was very much what was kind of driving. Not not so much on our part, but on, on their part, they were very passionate about this is the way you need to build houses now because it's better for the occupants and it's also better for, for the planet sort of thing. So, yeah, that, they, they more or less persuaded us. And can we talk a little bit about budgets? Because I think you maybe started with kind of an expectation of what you wanted to spend and then it ended up being more than that. Is that, is that right? Well, when we bought the house, we kind of just thought we would do what we'd done to other houses. You know, we'd maybe think about knocking a wall out here or, you know, reconfiguring a bit there, that type of thing. And obviously when you go for a, a full retrofit, that's a whole le- different level. So the, the budget we kind of set in the end was quite a large one, probably 295K, 297K. By the time we ended up with a full design and, you know, your enthusiasm gets away from you, et cetera. And I, st- I was very much full on in commercial business mode and I'm, was kind of looking at the numbers, very skeptical and thinking, you know, is this really worth it or not? Uh, looking back, it was absolutely worth it because we ha- we've added so much extra value to the house. If we sold it tomorrow, we'd get our money back and and more. But my wife was in the sort of quite rightly in the mode. Look, we're retiring. This is going to be hopefully our forever house. We're going to stay here as long as we can. So you know, it's not a commercial project. Within reason, we're going to spend what it takes to get it the way we want it and we were lucky enough to be able to, to you know fortunate enough to be able to, to be in a position to, to do that with the design process obviously you were thinking you were going to just make some tweaks here and there when the architects showed this kind of other option which is you know moving the stairs like mm. taking the roof off like doing all of these things what can you remember how you felt about it well it was kind of evolved to solve the sort of fundamental problems with the house. The solutions the architect proposed were actually very clever. They just simply suggested putting a relatively small front porch extension on full height, opening up the front of the house and taking the stairs out of the center of the house, this narrow footprint, and moving them there, which then freed up a whole load of floor space in the main body of the property and also took us straight up into the attic. So that immediately brought lots of light into the front of the house, made it a real wow factor, gave the house real curb appeal because we put lots of windows in that elevation so high atrium if you like right all the way to the top the stairs going up and that just that simple thing just transformed the whole property the design of the whole property 
And we then effectively could relay out all the internal spaces to make them all flow and work. I never really knew what architects, I knew what architects did, but I didn't really know what they do. You know what you mean? You, you, yeah. Everybody knows what an architect does and what they do, but until you actually get involved in the project, the level of detail and all the little bits and features, and it's just takes it to a whole new level as to what you can do with a property. Because yeah. uh, taking the roof off, I mean, I, I suppose that was more, probably more me than the architects. Because once we got into this project, one of these people that if I'm going to do something, I, I kind of like to do it absolutely as best I can type thing. The architect wasn't saying you need to take the roof off and do this. It was more, look, this is a 1930s house. If I'm going to do this, I don't want to have to redo the roof in five years or 10 years. I just want to do it now and get it all done with. So I then started to kind of say, let's put a new roof on. That allows us to do better insulation, better air tightness. And it was that kind of, I suppose, two-way process. And I think that the design features were all from the architects. And then it was about, okay, when we're doing this project, let's do as well as we can. It sounds like you got yourself into the technical details of it. So you started to learn about how the house should work. Uh, yeah. Well, they uh, put the house through the passive house calculation yeah. and used that to do iterative kind of work. And if we did this, this is what the performance of the property would be. If we did that, this is what it would be. This is what the costs would be. So that was quite a useful process. And yeah, I did kind of start to get into the te technical side of the property and Really, I'm interested in the in the house model. So when they when they put the house through the, it's kind of a computer program, isn't it? And it, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you're modeling different options. So you could sit down in a meeting and go through all the different aspects and say, you know, this is going to be this investment, but you'll get this much in energy saving. Is that how it works? Yeah, they took they did all the all the number crunching and they're obviously experts in that and Paul's a particular expert in it. So yeah, they took us through all that and they showed us the options, different thicknesses of insulation, you know, if we insulated the roof better and you know, all that sort of stuff. For example, was double glazing or triple glazing worth it? And in the end, I decided that triple glazing wasn't worth it for the extra benefit it gave internally. So we just stuck with double glazing. I really love the retrofit process just for that clarity of knowing that you're making investments in the right place. And obviously, like you said, it's about not spending money where you don't need to as well. Because yeah. I think previously the like home renovation market is very much stick your finger in the air and say, oh, well, we, we'll add insulation here or we'll meet building regs. But obviously building regs are a, a minimum requirement. You know, they're not necessarily the best that you can do. So in a way, having this process of doing the energy modeling just takes the guesswork out of everything and means that you can be confident about the different things that you're doing, knowing that you're making a sound investment and that you're going to get the, the benefits of the work that you're putting in, which is, is a relatively new thing for the architecture world. I mean, I feel it shouldn't be, but not every project is going through this process. Yeah. I mean, my background running a, a large business, everything is kind of numbers-based, facts-based, analyzed decisions taken on the basis of as far as you can, what's going to give you the best results. So to me, it was perfectly normal and logical way to do something. If you're going to do something and spend a lot of money on it, you want to understand it, get under the skin of it, and sort of evaluate it before you then press the go button. Yeah, such a worthwhile process to do. 
I think it's just a, a leap of faith because like you said, you can't really appreciate the comfort factor of what your investment's going to give you. You have to decide this at the very beginning of your project when you're just working out things to kind of do that energy modeling is a bit of a leap of faith, isn't it? Yeah. And the architects went on quite a bit about the quality of the internal environment of the property, you know, the air quality, the light quality, the humidity level, all of that. And we all live in houses all our lives. So you just don't think about these things. And they went on at quite some length about how if you designed it properly and built it properly, the internal environment would be, you know, just a, a delight to, to be in. And, and it's only when you actually finish the project and start living in the place, you, actually it is, it does make a huge difference. And, but, it, you know, we had to trust our architects to, and, you know, we didn't fully trust them because we put extra heating in, but which we never used. But, <laughs> so we could have saved, saved some money there. Yeah, anyway. the, the concept of being a bit chilly after all that work, though, yeah. is too too much of a risk factor. Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's what we were. My wife and I were, you know, we don't want to be cold. Let's just make sure. I remember you saying that on sites, maybe there were some problems with your builder. Do you want to explain what happened? Yeah, so we eventually got to the point where we wanted to find a builder. So we used the quantities of air to help us pull the shortlist, the builders, and have a final negotiation and draw, draft up a a proper contract. I was didn't have the headspace some of the time because I was full on running a pretty large business. So I decided that the way for us to do it was to get a builder as a main contractor, employ a QS to manage the money side of it and engage the architects to, you know, having done the design, control the quality and running a manufacturing business, quality control, something that any manufacturing business does. And you'd be daft not to do it. So we kept the architects on to do that. And my idea was I'll just rock up once a month for you know, an hour or two. And then basically come back another month. And a few months later, I'll be finished and I'll move in. So. I mean, that sounds like a foolproof plan, doesn't it? Well, but... yeah. <laughs> it's the kind of plans I was used to. But it proved to be nothing like that, to be honest. To be honest, I found the QS in a small build. I think it was good to use them to do the final negotiation and come up with a contract. Uh, but beyond that, they, they didn't add anything. It was just costing money for nothing, really. The architect was useful because you had an expert who was basically saying, that's right, that's wrong, you need to re fix this. So that was useful. And my builder, who was a lovely chap and ultimately built us a, a lovely house, he basically very quickly ran out of money. He was supposed to be, you know, funding the project and obviously we'd make him stage payments, but he very quickly got into money problems, which he didn't own up to, to begin with. And you sort of wondered why things weren't going quite as fast as you thought they might have done. So anyway, he effectively ran out of cash and I then had a choice to make. Do I kick him out with, you know, the house virtually knocked down and not rebuilt or do I find another solution? And I think you've got to recognize, yeah, you've got a contract and it's a tight contract and all the rest of it, but you're dealing with small builders. They've got nothing behind them. So you can't actually enforce a contract in that sense of the words. It's good to have it and it's, it does give you some benefits, but you couldn't go all the way to the end and say, I'm going to sue the pants off you because he doesn't have any pants. Sorry. Sure. If I should say that. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so I, I thought about it quite a bit. And by this time I'd moved, I'd sold my business and was in this sort of semi retirement phase, not working as, as hard as I'd been. 
So I decided I had the time and I would step in and I would basically take over uh, the money side of it. And I would just engage him, if you like, as a contractor. And uh, I would project manage it. So I then got myself fully immersed in the project, pretty much on site every day to, to, to make it finished. And I think that was the right thing to do because the guy was a decent guy. He had the skills to do it. He just needed support. How did he find that bit? Did he welcome you stepping into that role? Or was it kind of a tricky thing to navigate? I think I was lucky because he did accept it. Yeah. Yeah, he accepted it, yeah. So, and we ended up working well together, really. Yeah, that's different from the turning up once a month, once every two months. You couldn't get more different. Oh, yeah, it's to- totally different, yeah. I was just going to say, it's interesting you were talking about the architect being on site and the quality control because that's a really important part of retrofit works, isn't it? Because the level of detail and the airtightness and and how everything's put together is very critical for making sure that all the works that you've invested in and planned Mm. actually work and do what they're supposed to. And so did that happen and did it it pass the test? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Obviously, in a retrofit, there's lots of this airtight taping goes on, lots of membranes, et cetera, et cetera, all got to be properly installed and properly fitted um, and all the tech that goes behind, you know, well, there's a lot of tech, but you know, the tech that goes behind that. So yeah. And our builder had never done that before. Yeah. So yeah, the architect were very, very much supported the builder and actually showing them how it should be done and making sure it was done properly. So yeah, in, in a retrofit, particularly one where you're trying to make it energy efficient, et cetera, I think, yeah. That aspect of it is critical. It's just slightly different construction methods than traditional contractors are used to. So there is a bit of skill swapping and and information sharing on site, isn't there? And yeah, I actually found that the builders were interested. Something new for them too. So they they took it very well, and they've used all these new techniques that perhaps they hadn't come across before. Hopefully, more and more builders are being asked to do that because you know we need to do more of it in the UK. So looking back over the the whole of the projects, what would you say is the most unexpected thing about the process? What took you by surprise? I suppose the thing that took me most by surprise was how inefficient the small building processes. I run a large manufacturing operation, supplying all the retailers where literally if you didn't supply absolutely 100% of what they asked for on the day and the time within plus or minus 15 minutes of when they wanted it, you got fined and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas the small buildings industry, for me, it seems very inefficient. You know, the planning and the scheduling, it's kind of, yeah, they know roughly what they're going to do, but there's no detail behind it. I'm sure big projects are very efficient and super well run because they have to be. But for this end of the market, it seems very inefficient to me. Yeah, yeah. it's true. I mean, I think it's because the next kind of tear up you, mm. you end up getting the builder who has, you know, a bit of admin staff or someone in an office, like doing the ordering. And, you know, that, that side of building is a massive job, <laughs> you know, just the, all of the organization and ordering and making sure that everything is on site when it needs to be. But I think normally what happens is a builder is good at what he does. He gets a bit more busy. He gets more people on. Then he's trying to manage, but also do the, you know, I mean, it's, we have a lot of respect for, small-scale builders because they're trying to do so many different things. I can see the challenge. They are, by their nature, 
building it themselves and they don't have the time to do that as well as, you know, do all the planning and all the admin that's needed. But I agree when you're a homeowner and you're faced with the chaos, it's quite shocking. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, I know it's easy to say, but that's why probably a lot of them end up probably going out of business because yeah. they, they, they don't control the costs or something happens that shouldn't have happened and they end up perhaps losing money on it or not making as much money as they thought. So, yeah. It's, yeah. I guess it's like making your production line, but each time you do it, it your raw materials are coming from a different place, you know, mm. different doors, different method. It's just, a, it's a totally bespoke thing every time. And I guess that's why it's not as easy to make the product and get efficient in that way. Yeah, probably in an ideal world, you'd employ like a project manager and just someone who would do all of that, schedule it all, but then that's extra cost, isn't it? So I suppose yeah. latterly I ended up doing that myself, really. <laughs> yeah. I have one more question actually from me, which is, do you have one piece of advice that you would give other homeowners? Uh, yeah, if you're doing a major retrofit, significant retrofit, which I would thoroughly recommend if you can you know, if, if, you, if you can do it, then yeah, you'd be daft to do it without using an architect. It's as simple as that. If you're going to spend a fair amount of money, you want a professional sat by your side, getting the most out of the money that you've got. And even this, when we, when we first bought it, we thought, well, we'll figure a way to do it ourselves. And when we eventually embraced the full retrofit thing, I mean, the level of detail that an architect brings to the project, it gives you such beauty and pleasure. And the finished thing, you know, the, the design element of it, it's just, it's worth, worth the money. And it's added easily more than what it costs to the, to the value of the property. Cool. I'm also just watching the, your lovely light flood in behind you on your wall behind. <laughs> it's, it looks very idyllic where you are. I've got a beautiful view out there. Yeah. I can look great down. Yeah. It's just a stunning view. Very lucky location we have. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Stuart. And for anyone who's intrigued to see the final results, you can go to our website, homenotes.co forward slash stories from site and see the finished photos there. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Renovating can be a roller coaster. And if you're at the beginning of your renovation journey, come and find out about our Getting Started course at homenotes.co to make sure you get the best value from your project. Finally, if you've enjoyed this episode, then please do follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, as it will help us reach as many people as possible and all learn from these amazing experiences.